Welcome to another episode of Peers Over Beers, your favorite digital and social evangelist podcast with your industry veteran hosts, Chris Tetzel. This podcast starts now. All right. Well, welcome to another Peers Over Beers. I'm Chris Detzel and I'm Nicole Saunders. Nicole, you know, you're just a regular now. And um, I think I've had okay. you on the most this year and, and it's been really a delight. So uh, and I think users are really uh, enjoying it as well. So thanks for coming on again. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I actually had somebody out in the world last week say, oh, yeah, I've been listening to your podcast. And I was like, oh, awesome. That's cool. I was really excited exactly. to hear that. Well, do you, in fact, listen to us, Chris? <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> it's kind of funny because um, uh, people people will reach out to me and, and now I get sometimes spam stuff. But, hey, can I be on your podcast? And they have nothing to do with community management. And I, I had um, had this one guy that uh, wanted to – and I let him be and I haven't uh, pushed it out yet but it was around crypto communities, but really this guy's a crypto CEO or something. And I was like, interesting. Yeah. And I, I was like, and I told him, I, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> so <laughs> what does a community really look like in the crypto, you know, because like, you've seen, seen some of these on, you know, uh, uh, job postings or, you know, people are looking for community leaders that have all this experience in crypto and all this stuff. And I'm like, how long has this been out and and how do you have so much experience in crypto when it just really came out? Like, how do you even, so I, I, anyways, it's, it's, but it's really cool that people are listening to us and I'm very excited about that. But what I really want to talk about today, well, probably a lot of things, but one is you've been like gone from working for a long time now. I mean, you I'm still not- work at Zendesk, but <laughs> you, they let you have a lot of time off, I guess, after you've been there for so long or how's that been? Yeah. So one of the one of the really cool perks of Zendesk is after five years you get a six week sabbatical, oh. um, and so I hit my five year anniversary in February. And, you said I'm out of here. Uh, well, honestly, I wasn't going to take the time right away, um, but then it just sort of ended up kind of making sense this summer. And uh, you know, I had always imagined that when I took sabbatical, I'd like go travel Japan or backpack <laughs> around Europe or go to Australia, and it ended up just becoming like this is going to be an old fashioned summer break. I'm going to like read books and ride my bike and do some writing and eat lots of ice cream and hang out by the lake. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, what's I your, what's your favorite ice cream? So. Oh gosh. For years, it's been chocolate peanut butter, but this summer I've started to get more of a taste for the vanilla based ice creams. Okay. Um, so there's, there's one at my local ice cream shop. That's like Vanilla ice cream with caramel and peanut butter cups and cookie dough chunks. And I, mm. I love that one. And I love anything with hot fudge on it, but I'm a, too. I like chunks of things <laughs> in my ice cream. I'm a, I like to chew on it, I guess. <laughs> you drink any beer or anything? Just, you know, it's a pair of beers. So I, don't really... I, uh, I know. I, I feel I'm going to admit this to you finally, like, what, six episodes in? I don't really drink much these days. Um, I used yeah, to be. I don't either beer aficionado I used to work at the great american beer fest hmm. in colorado and hung out with microbrewers and stuff um the last few years just yeah i've just kind of backed off drinking so actually my new favorite is athletic brewing company has a whole series of na beers that are actually pretty good really like i've been enjoying those mostly this summer to be honest you said it's local um, no, Athletic Brewing Company, I think is national. There are a couple local microbreweries that are starting to get into doing a couple of NA beers, which have been 
really pleased with. Um, there's one out of Milwaukee. It's called the River West Stein Beer, I think. And that was okay. always a favorite. And, and they started producing an NA version this summer that tastes darn close to the real thing. So that's been my kick. Cool. <laughs> alcoholic beers and I'll still occasionally have a good IP or something, but it's, it's pretty rare for me most of the time. Yeah. You know, um, so my wife and I've been doing the, or we went on vacation, I guess I could call it, it's called trans Rockies. So two weeks ago we ran this 120 miles, uh, in, um, Colorado and it, up at altitude at that up in altitude. I'm in Dallas, Texas. So, you know, it was definitely yeah. a challenge. It was a six day kind of event and everything else. And so, I did have a beer afterwards, but uh, beforehand, I have—I mean, I drank a little, but I—I I was just trying to stay away from it because I knew anything that I did was going to affect my running, hiking yep. abilities for those six days. And so, although a great trip, you know, I've stopped drinking a lot of beer, but I did have one the other day. So, um, anyway, so tell me a little bit more about your um, <laughs> your time off. You know, yeah. it's always good to get time off. Yeah, it's good. Oh, me too. Um, yeah, so I've got I've got about 10 days left here before I go back to work. And Hmm. it's been amazing to have so much time to do all the things I love. Um one of the things I wanted to do for a long time is write a book. Um, don't ask me what it's about. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I've just always wanted to write a book. And so I decided to use some of this time to start doing free writing every day and kind of brain dump and see what came out. And some things are starting to take shape. So knock on wood, cool. Cool. but somewhere in the next two to five years, hopefully I will finish and publish something. Um, this is a big goal. And this is, I guess this is my official, like putting it out there in the universe and, and saying yeah. to everybody, I'm going to try to write a book. Um, is we'll it, see what happens. Are you thinking personal or business or, you know, you know anything I've, like that? I've or? had a couple of different ideas. The ones that seem to be resonating the most are sort of like, uh, the genre I can best explain is like memoir as self-help, hmm. like here's all the crazy stuff that's happened in my life. Maybe you can learn from it. Um, I, I love how you use self-help in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, you know, I mean, community builder, servant leadership. Exactly, yeah. Let's yeah. help others. Um, I have had some thoughts about working on some community-related research and, and writing as well. So who knows? Maybe I'll have three books by the end of this whole thing. Um, but Slipbreak has been good just to indulge that and see some friends and play some music and get outdoors a whole bunch. You know, it's good. The hardest thing I think about working full time is being in front of a computer all day. It's been really nice mm-hmm. to not have to do that quite as much. I agree. I mean, it's it's uh, kind of on our pre-show. You're talking about how it's really nice to kind of really, you know, let loose and not think about work too much and things like that. And you mentioned that you know, the first two or three weeks, it was really nice, but then, you know, you kind of started missing doing the work, you know, and just being focused on some of that. I do. I mean, one, I miss my team. I work with some really great people and it it feels like friends that I haven't like seen for a little too long. You know, I don't know what's going on in there right now. So I'm excited to catch up with some of those folks. Um, I'm really excited because we actually got approval. We're all going to go to the CMX summit out in California. It's going to be the first time most of my team members have met in person. Um, I was thinking about going to that. Maybe I will go. You should come. Drew and I are both going to be on a a panel and and speaking there. And I think it's just such a great event. So such a, it's a good time. It's like, it's like summer camp, my community people. You know, Um, Fran and his team, uh, I don't know if you know Fran, but he, he's the VP of community at uh, uh, Upwork.com. And, and uh, he's going to be there and bring some of his team folks there. So it should be fun. Awesome. 
Well, we should we should all get together. Um, we have a period yeah, of a will. <laughs> that would be yeah, that'd be cool. Maybe you know, I was thinking about like kind of if I go out there, then just having a bunch of like 15, 20 minute peers over beers, you know, with different people would then, you know, but it seems like a lot of work because I have to carry a bunch of shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Just but record it on your iPhone. It's fine. Everybody will understand. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, they won't understand whenever you start listening to that shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, this sucks. You know, I'm not going to, you get, you really need good sound, you know, and I, I could probably buy something. Expensive. There you go. Anyways, um, but yes, I'm excited to see my team, but it's also, I've really realized, um, I kind of miss sort of the day-to-day sense of accomplishment that comes from being Mm. at work, getting through your meetings and checking off the things on your to-do list. And, you know, certainly when you're on your own time and and you and I are chatting a little bit about this in terms of like, what am I going to do when I retire someday? And it's like this (laughs) all the time. You do have to come up with Yep. you know, your identity outside of work and the things that you're going to do that are going to bring you meaning and a sense of accomplishment outside of it. But at least with work, you know, some of that's kind of built in. You don't have yeah. to sit down every day. What's going to be a meaningful to-do list for me today? Um, exactly. So I miss that. I, and, you know, I really feel like work in some ways is kind of the thing that helps hone your brain a little bit and keep you mm. sharp. And I was joking with you earlier how I've never understood watching like people who've retired where like they'll have one plan in the day. They're like, I got to go to the grocery store at 3 p.m. And somehow like they can't do anything else that day. It like takes up the whole day. <laughs> and I really think it is, it's one of those like tasks expand to take up whatever time you allocate for them. Yeah. And if you don't have the pressure of a work schedule on your time, it's amazing how much just doing little household chores and things like that can expand to take up the whole day. So well, that's true. I, I remember I have to tell you a little story. So I was you know, uh, I could sit down at home, right? Like, and think, all right, I want to do the dishes and sweep and mop the floor. And cause it needs to be done. I mean, you have to do that anyways, pretty quick, Right. but then, you know, I'll just take a quick nap and then I'll think, okay, I probably should put up these clothes. That's right next to my head that my wife, yeah, maybe I'll do that later. And then, you know, just kind of get on my phone, do some bullshit on the phone, you know, and then realize two hours have passed, not just, you know, I was doing dumb stuff. And I haven't done one thing, you know, like I thought I was going to yeah. do the dishes and the floors and didn't do it. And I'm like, oh, shit, I got to make myself do it. You know what I mean? So procrastination totally. is kind of my big thing, especially chores. <laughs> so, sorry. I, I don't struggle too much with procrastination, but I will say that, like, I think when you've got sort of the, the time pressure of working, yeah. it makes your free time it is a little bit easier to focus and to be like, okay, I've only got three hours of free time tonight. What do I really need or want to do at that time? And I think you appreciate it more, Yeah, you know, yeah, um, for sure. you get to a Saturday and you're like, yeah, it's Saturday. I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And even maybe like, this is like, I'm going to watch three Harrison Ford movies and relax on the couch. It's going to be awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> whereas right now I'm like, yeah, I can do that today or, or tomorrow, tomorrow, whatever, Tuesday, whatever, you know, and time is starting to like melt together. So I'm, I'm a little excited to actually kind of get back into it, but I think the biggest thing and and what I'm really hoping to return to work with is a new perspective. One, my cameras or my company is a super like cameras on company for zoom and being away from my computer a little bit more. I think I'm going to try to adopt a little bit more lax attitude about cameras or like, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, let's all turn them on for five minutes and wave at each other and then turn it off. Cause it, 
it's amazing to realize how exhausting it can be to be on those Zoom calls all day and just mm -hmm. staring at a screen or a camera lens. Um, but the other thing is I'm really hoping to go back at some of the challenges that we've been working on, you know, especially some of the big meaty ones that take a long time with a little bit of a new perspective. And I think mm. sometimes you can get so close. Do you have to something in mind? Um, like, if not, it's fine. I was just, I was just curious. Like, you know, we've, we've had a couple of long-term things. Like one of our big things is that our community has really started as a support community. Yeah. And mm -hmm. for a couple of years now, we've been really trying to work to not alienate the support side of it, but to yep. try to bring a broader kind of conversation into the community and have it do more Love than it. just your technical questions. And that's been a big challenge to solve. And we've been kind of, it you is. know, working with all these different tactics. And it feels like we've been like kind of beating our heads against a wall of like, well, we tried mm. this, and then we tried this, and then we went back to the first idea. And so I think it'll be helpful to get that break and that separation and then sort of come in with fresh eyes and see if there's yeah. maybe some new approaches that we can we I can love start it. To and I think that's a big one. And, uh, you know, because I feel like I, I saw something from Rich Millington the other day that says, well, it is way easier to start a support community than it is um, a topical community, or you could see it as it's topical yeah. or, you know, thought leadership or whatever. Um, I thought about that for a minute and I thought it really is. I've started, I could start a uh, support community in a minute. You know, I, you know, it's, I'm not saying that there's challenges and it's hard, you know, I'm not saying that there's not, but you know, you think about like, because people have a question about your product and need help with it. Right. And no, they're willing to ask anywhere and everywhere. Most, you know, you still have to do the engagement piece, strategy, tactics, you have to still do all that stuff. But then when you start thinking about, well, you know, for you guys, it could be support leaders, you know, what's the best practice on creating a support, you know, um, uh, practice support program, you know, for your customers. And, and cause there's a lot of problems, you know, although that's interesting and you probably find people interested, who's going to talk about it. Who's, who's the, who's the key people that, and, and how do you get it at mass? You know, it's a lot harder to, I'm, I'm trying to do some of that too, as well. And I just think, wow, you know, like I can't get people to fucking talk about this stuff, you know, like, or, you know, it's really hard to find speakers that have built an MDM practice from ground up or right. you know, what, how do they think about data governance and, and what, what does a successful data governance practice look like? Or I don't know, because those are a lot harder, but, you know, those are all, well, it's different in every organization. It is, but you can take some of those things. And, and so I love that you're thinking about that and we should probably talk more about that later. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's an interesting point. And we, we hadn't talked about this in the pre-show, but I'm, I'm willing to go down this rabbit hole for a minute. Um, okay. You know, thinking about that difference of like a support community versus like a community of practice. And, mm. you know, one, I think it's really hard to take an existing community and pivot it into something else. Right. Yeah. You, you keep what you have probably. Right. You know. Yeah. But I think that, it's like, you really kind of have to relaunch it. Right. You mm. need to have mm. a clear moment of what this was is kind of, Shut it, shuttered, if you will. Hmm. And here's what it's going to be going forward. And there needs to be a pivot point. We've really been trying to sort of like incrementally take those steps. Yeah. And it's it's hard Not just really because working. you've got so much momentum built up behind one way of engaging. Um, I also think that like with support communities, you know, they're a little easier because they're transactional. Somebody yeah. has a question and somebody else can go in and be like, oh, here is the answer. Yeah. And then you're done. And that's that's pretty simple and easy. Whereas when you get into community practice, you talk about those best practices, 
you're asking people to take one, a lot more time to answer something, right? Instead of a, oh, it's you just thoughtful, right? Code. Yeah, they have to think about it. And two, it's more of an open-ended question, right? We all know from doing surveys and things, if you ask a yes or no question, somebody will, you know, click the yes or no button. But if you leave a space and say, please tell me about your experience with this, yeah. most people won't fill that in. Yeah. And a community of practice, that's kind of the difference is you're looking for more of these long form yep. ongoing conversations. Um, and so I think it is a real challenge, but it is also where a lot of the meat is. And I think that there's a lot of stuff that lands in the middle, like the example with support practitioners, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, how do I set up this automation? Yeah. It's another thing to say, hey, what are best practices for running a support organization? Mm -hmm. But in the middle is where there's some really interesting things of like, what are some recommended workflows for setting this up? Or what are some ways that other people have done things? And that's where we find the greatest insights and where people get really excited is when somebody's willing to go a step beyond the how-to, but they don't have to get into writing a white paper, (laughs) right? (laughs) So I think one is you've got to think about you know, and that we can continue down this rabbit hole because I think it's a good one is you got to understand what, what are the business goals and what are you trying to accomplish at the end of the day, right? So when I think of those type of communities that you're topical and, or, you know, thought leader, I don't, thought leadership so high level, you know, but it's sort of kind of along that lines or the practice of, you know, support or, you know, whatever you're trying to uh, do, Um, you know, what what are you going to try to accomplish? You know, what we do know though, is that, Zendesk technology or Reltio technology only relates to those people that have that technology, right? How to do this thing. So you're probably not going to hit a lot of prospects. I mean, you'll hit some because they might be evaluating your product and that kind of stuff. So it's not like, you know, those support communities don't help with some of that, but it's, it's, it's a lot less, right? So, you know, in my mind, a support community kind of looks at upsell, cross-sell potential, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, new features come out, adoption, et cetera, you know, obviously support deflection. So that, that's kind of what, is, to me, a support community does. But when you start looking at some of those other communities like you're talking about and, and like I would like to also do is then you start kind of getting the realm of, hey, you can find more VPs of support, right? Like, and more uh, leaders of support, you know, directors and things like that when you start talking about the practice of support programs and you know and then there's all this meat from bottoms to to top and to the middle that you can kind of think about and so you know leads lead generation great blog potential stuff topics you know uh and then you start kind of thinking about you know those that's what i think about when i think of those types of things and some of the business outcomes goals are more referenceable customers more you know, leads coming in, you know, all that kind of juicy stuff that marketing loves, but that the organization loves because all at the end of the day, we need new business. But we also kind of have to think about the, I don't know that we leave kind of that support uh, piece either. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's a lot to think about. And a lot of, you know, what I would just say is, you know, for the audience is just make sure you know what you're trying to accomplish and what are those business outcomes that, you know, uh, that you're trying to, to get at the end of the day, right? Well, and moreover, I think it's making sure that you know what your audience needs. Um, yeah, yeah. I've said this so many times, but I, I think the mistake that a lot of organizations make when they launch their communities is they think about what they want the community to do for the business. Yeah. But if that's not aligned to what the people that they're trying to engage actually need or want, it's never going to take off. 
Um, well, I think that as a community so leader, you have to say right? that. I think yeah. they think about that because, you know, I've talked to CEOs, I've talked to leaders, you know, with the customer and our marketing space, and they think, you know, community is going to solve all their problems and come up with all these business outcomes. And then you're right. You have to think about, well, you know, what is it that the community needs? Because we as the community leaders have to think about our community, our people, you know, the relationships and things like that. But we are doing this for some business outcomes too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, so. well, I mean, that's really like, that is the, in a nutshell, that is the role of the community professional is to mm. find that sort of intersection mm. point in the Venn diagram of what does the business need and what do the customers need? And yeah. how can I facilitate the intersection of those two things in a really meaningful and compelling way? Yeah, um, and I think it's where, kind of going back to that original point about how support communities are so much easier. It's like, because every business is going to have customers who have questions about how to use their product or That's service. Right. Or and so, you know, you look for a need the company has is for people to be able to use it, yeah. uh, their the product or service, a need that the customer has is help on being able to use it effectively. Boom. Mm -hmm. There's an opportunity for community. And I think what we're seeing is, is as communities mature, it's that question of like, okay, how can you go beyond that instructional piece and how can you start to help your mm. customers with more than just your service or product, but really the whole field of what they're doing it for. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's been interesting trying to like, by the way, support's not going away, right? Support is right. not going support away. Not and in fact, I would argue that if you try to launch a community that's not focused on support, you're still going to get technical questions and you're going to need yeah. to know how you're going to deal with it when you get those yeah. support questions in your community. For sure. Um, but I can definitely see why, you know, we've talked in the past about how there's so much content and training and education for community managers on how to launch your community, how to set up your yeah. strategy, how to do basics. And there's not as much about how to pivot it. And I think one of the reasons is the real answer mm. is that it's very hard to pivot <laughs> or shift a mature community. Yeah. And yes. the best way to do it is sort of to relaunch it and to apply a lot of that original strategy or, you know, ideally just do it right the first time and <laughs> make sure you've got it in place. Well, you know, you also, I mean, you guys started five, six, whatever years ago, uh, or God, maybe longer. 15. Oh, okay. This is our 15 year anniversary, oh. Chris. Craziness. Okay. So, yeah. so you started five, six, seven, whatever years ago, you know, yeah. at but so, almost 10 years old when I came in. So that's part of what I've been working with. Yeah, and that is a challenge in itself. It's probably a good conversation to have is, you yeah. know, how do you kind of walk into somebody else's kind of strategies and ideas and thoughts, you know, let's say it's a mess, but it, it is, I mean, you've got to untangle a lot of things that you just don't know, you know, you know, well, and I'll tell you, like when I walked into Zendesk, there just wasn't a lot of strategy. It was yeah. sort of a community that had launched and was trucking along, but there, there wasn't any mm -hmm. one person that was centrally in charge of the oversight or the management of all of it. It had been a very collaborative effort, which is beautiful from a community perspective, but at a certain point of, of scaling, you're running a community by committee yeah. or with handoffs between different teams and it gets a little messy. And so, so that's where we've been really, that was kind of our starting point when I joined so the company. When you say restart a community, a lot of things go through my head. So, uh, and I've never restarted a community, especially like that. And so how do you, you know, what do you do with the already support stuff that you have, right? And, or do you just kind of start a community for practitioners of, you know, uh, support, for example, 
and 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 just kind of keep this other community going, you know, because it is very important, probably a lot of business value, I would assume. But, you know, there's some need for this thing. What do you, is it like, I don't know, what do you do? You start a Slack group and just, because Slack is, I love Slack, but not really the best way to start a community, in my opinion, maybe with five, 10 people, you know, to kind of say, hey, this is what we're doing or whatever, but. Well, on the Slack note, I think Slack is really great to sort of augment or create sub-communities. Like we've had a lot of luck with it where like we took our, our super members in the community mm -hmm. who we've designated as our community moderators and we created a Slack space for them. I like and that, that's a good idea. That yeah. had created a really tight, really awesome community amongst that small group. Mm -hmm. But Slack doesn't scale, right? We can't put yeah. 20,000 people in a Slack instance <laughs> of the community, it's not gonna work. Um, so I think Slack has a really good role in a community ecosystem Okay. Especially given that most of the community platforms out there these days don't offer like chat rooms or DMs or something like that. So Slack sort yeah. of augments that real-time engagement piece. As far as relaunching, you know, we haven't done it yet. We've been kind of working on this sort of slow pivot. And as I've thought about this over the years, you know, I think some of it has to do with like a, a redesign, right? You need some kind of visual okay. cue. That this is a different space. Yeah. Um, I think that you don't want to lose all the support stuff that exists in the community. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if we were to take this route at Zendesk, and I, you know, I can't tell you what the next six or eight months will bring at yeah. this point, but um, if we were to take this route, or if I were to do this really for any organization, I would really look at how can you integrate all of the support stuff as a part of the community, mm -hmm. but have a bunch of the other stuff sort of built out around it and so it's clear I, that I, I believe that there'll be repercussions if you got rid of the support stuff when I think it when think oh. of case deflection some other things Google kind of I don't you know I, uh, I, I actually have a story about this Chris so uh we did a big sort of relaunch of all of Zendesk systems um over the last couple of years okay um you know, we'd been working out of one Zendesk instance since the beginning of time with the company. And it was clear that it was time to move into some of like the new, uh, what do I want to say? Basically just sort of start over, right? There's a okay. lot of like stuff that was gathering up. And so we didn't significantly change what it looked like on the outside, but we did actually migrate everything over to a new instance of our, our stuff. And in the process, there was a big debate about how much should we archive? right? Mm -hmm. How much of what exists in our knowledge base and in our community is out of date, yep. is relevant, is clogging up search results because... Fair enough. Definitely need to get rid of some of that shit, probably. And so we actually got fairly aggressive with it. We archived a lot of stuff. So we kept okay. everything that had been new in the past, I think, couple of years. Okay. And then we highlighted about 2,500 posts and conversations that had high page views, or we actually let some of our community members vote and say, hey, is there a post that if it disappeared, you would be sad about it? Tell us and we'll keep that yeah. one. Uh, which is a great way to engage the community around this whole exercise. Great. And so we ended up migrating about 20% of our community content into our new instance and the rest okay. of it got archived, didn't get deleted. We still have it in a record somewhere if we ever need to refer to it. And in some ways it did what it meant to do, right? It cleaned up a lot of stuff. It made a lot of the posts more current. Mm -hmm. But a couple of repercussions. One, a lot of links got broken because there are mm -hmm. things that point to the old posts. Now, maybe that's okay because the old post it pointed to was no longer current. Yep. Um, it definitely messed with our, our SEO 
right? Sure. Our Google posts went way down. It used to be community posts would show up pretty high in most search rankings and we've been slowly rebuilding that. Yep, um, And despite being so thoughtful about what we took with us and gosh, I got to give credit to um, Brett Bowser and Dave Dyson on my team. They spent hundreds of hours reading every single post in our community mm. and looking at stats and figuring out which ones we should move and which ones we shouldn't and interviewing community members and doing surveys to find out. And there were still things that six months later, people were like, how have archived this one? Where did it go? <laughs> so yep. even after being so thoughtful and putting in all of that amazing effort, you know, there's still stuff. And so I think it is something to really think about if you ever relaunch or migrate, you have yep. to be really careful with what you do and don't take and how you structure it and, and what you do with it. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily fascinating. regret that archived, but I've yep. learned a lot of lessons from the whole experience. <laughs> no, it's fascinating. I mean, maybe it was better, you know, in the long run for the community to kind of be, you know, take, you know, taking out some of that stuff. But, you know, again, mm -hmm. there are repercussions in the short term, you know, yeah. and, you know, I think that you just have to have a good content strategy uh, afterwards, right? To kind of think about, well, what new content are we going to push out and what are we doing to kind of make up for that, especially when you think of the Google stuff, you know, because that's, that's such a great call out. Chris, you're so right that like, you know, the, the next step isn't just like, okay, now we're going to wait for the community to repopulate itself, but how are we going to rebuild some of these things? And yeah. one of the things that we did do is we took a few hundred posts that we thought were really good, but that were out of date. Yeah. And we reached out to those members and said, hey, would you want to repost this with some updates? Or um, we rewrote a lot of content and republished it as well. Um, but I think know, rewriting I, it and republishing it starts the clock all over again, right? So yeah. You know, it's like it's fine it's that you do that. Google, yeah, it's good and bad, but it's really but good with the It's good with Google content. later. It it is. Yeah. The other thing is, you got me kind of thinking about um this this new way of kind of thinking about community from a thought leadership, whatever we call it, topical. I don't know, but is that I think you're also going to have to think about a content strategy around you know those kinds of topics. So maybe and, and what I've been doing even as of recent, because I've been thinking about the same thing is I'm, I'm not going to relaunch it just because it's just me and, uh, and we'll talk about this in a minute. I just hired somebody, but you know, it's- Yeah, I definitely want to dig into that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's, it's you really kind of have to start thinking about a strategy around, you know, content and what is it that one is, what is it that you want to think about? What is it that you want to cover? You know, how can um, uh, Zendesk help you know, within that thought leadership piece, right? Because that's probably where you're gonna have to kick it off in the first place, you know, and, and then have programs, you know, like I'm, I'm a big fan of creating a program that allows me to do multiple things, you know, like webinar programs, et cetera, so I can write content, Q&A, et cetera. And so what I've started to do is kind of look at, um, let's say Reltio. And, and, and so instead of thinking about Reltio specifically, but I'm, I'm thinking about a master data management as a practice. And so, mm -hmm. How do people start that? What does that look like? You know, and and you know, where do you begin? Yes, technology is a piece of master data management, but it but you have to get buy-in. I mean, it's, it's costly. It's those kinds of things. And so I've started kind of slowly but surely pushing out content in that way. And then you know, I'll have some videos, but then I'm getting some blogs written. You know, and then I've started having kind of Q and A's. You know, with Reltians around, let's say, data quality. And instead of saying data quality as a product, although we have that, 
what does what does data quality mean and how is you know uh the quality of data important and why is it important and those kinds of things and maybe doing q a's with an expert around that without talking about reltio right and so kind of getting the appetite of your members you already have a community so why not push it out to them as well to see if they're interested in who is interested then when you start finding those people of interest yeah you can relaunch and do all that stuff because I, I absolutely agree that you know there's going to be some ui design stuff that you're going to want to do but start kind of figuring out who those people are outside of your organization in addition to your organization so you can both kind of you know and, and there's maybe even partners that you can kind of partner with like for us it could be a deloitte or a Accenture, or i don't know whatever that think of these things all day every day that talk to these kind of people all day every day and, and are thought leaders in that that you can just bring it you know what i mean well i love how you're thinking about that chris and you know it's part of it is trusting your your community members to be smart enough to realize like okay well here's a brand that makes data management software. And yeah. um, I'm learning all sorts of cool things about data management. And I can connect the dots that, oh, hey, maybe I should look into their software. And I think that's really yeah. where you get that difference between communities that are overly markety and don't really yeah. take off with people is when you're sort of like pushing that connection or like only talking about your product versus recognizing like exactly. really what my community members need is like help with their job. Help their job better at what they're doing help in their career or in their why field. do you think we're having this peers over beers because we're trying right. to help people with their job at the end of right. the day these are best practices you know and how we think you know it's getting exactly. our it's thought like leadership out there yeah we're trying to help other community professionals understand exactly. now neither one of us is trying to to sell a community platform ourselves either but if one of us were you know um that would be this would still be the way to go about it. This would still be the conversation I'd be yeah. having. It would be I mean, about the tool, be about the whole field. I mean, I don't have enough to say. Like, I use a company called HireLogic for my platform. They're great, you know, overall. But I don't have enough to say to speak about it every single time I get on a Peers Over Beers. You know what I mean? Like, there's probably right. a, several conversations we can have about platforms and what they do, et cetera. But, you know, if that's all I talked about, it would be so boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I think it would. Well, and so, we, you know, we don't even have to like plug those things. You can just yeah have those conversations that are relevant to people because that's the thing is, you know, I think about this every time I talk to somebody about starting a community. We all have so many social media accounts and we get mm. text messages and we give our Slacks. I don't know about you. I'm regularly logged into nine different Slack workspaces. I've got like five, yeah. <laughs> just my email can get overwhelming sometimes. Mm -hmm. So what the heck is going to be compelling enough about another online community for me to go create a profile and log in exactly. and participate on a regular basis? And the only yeah. way it's going to be something that I'm really going to engage with at that level is if it's something that solves a problem that I have or serves a need that I have on a regular basis. Do you, do you know any community communities that are doing, you know, uh, stuff like that? Like, you know, um, kind of that thought leadership or, you know, would you say there's one or two that you really like that do that? <laughs> well, I mean, I spend most of my time in community manager communities, right? Yeah. Like I spend a lot of time in the CMX community. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that's probably the biggest one. And CMX is part of Bevy. Yeah. CMX hosts all sorts of things that are community management related that aren't specific to Bevy or even things that Bevy necessarily does as a platform. Yeah. And I think it's just a really good example of, of how that works. Um, 
The other one I really like, I'm, you know, a big outdoors enthusiast. I love REI's community. And this isn't B2B. This is a B2C community. Yeah. But I can go on there. I can go on there to find out about equipment and gear and things that I'm thinking about um, purchasing. You can ask the community. The community will probably post links. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I can also go on there and just ask about hiking trails. Yeah. Or how to train for something. And so I think that's the key is like, that's a community I visit even when I'm not looking for something from REI because it's such a need that I have on a regular basis, which is to get more information about the different things I enjoy doing. And so that's the key is to really build a community that, that serves that need and doesn't just have a niche thing otherwise. And I think you see this a lot with support communities. You're only going to go to a technical support community a couple of times a year when you have a very specific Mm. technical question that you can't find in the documentation. So if you're looking to build a community where people are engaging on a regular basis, it's got to be more than technical support. It's got to be more than your product or service. Yeah. Again, I I think there's reasons to have technical communities. So, uh, and and they solve some big problems. 100%. For sure. They're super valuable. Um, Don't get wrong there. But I think if you want your community to do more than just answer a couple of questions here and there, it's hard, especially from a B2B standpoint. Like, and, and if you have big time professionals, like, um, you know, you, you have to give them something that they want to, to want to come back. So when I think of, you know, a senior VP or a VP of something, right, they're okay. probably not coming to a community.realtio.com or community.zendesk.com and posting shit. You know what I mean? What they might be do, interested in is to listen to a podcast around how others are doing these certain things or, mm-hmm. you know, a video or maybe it's a webinar or something like that, right? Or it's connecting to others in a way. And so depending on your audience, you know, if it's the leadership thing, you need something like a, I don't want to call it an advisory board, but something that allows them to connect, you know, with other leaders in the space that is a little bit more hands-on rather than just an online community. So you have to think of communities, in my opinion, in different ways, right? So those people that care about those technical questions are probably the people using your product on a daily basis, all day, every day. You know, uh, the VP of support or VP of anything else probably knows about Zendesk or whatever, obviously, but they're not using it all day, every day. They don't even, you know, they're probably thinking of some features, but their directors and or managers and or technical people are using it on a daily basis and pulling reports and all that kind of shit. So, you know, I just think that you have to build programs for the, for the audiences of your um, choice. And when you do that, then, you know, you engage, they engage in the way they want and you're creating ways for them to engage the way they want. You know what I mean? That's my thought on, communities around kind of higher level type stuff. Um, yep. There's a lot of different ways to do it, right? And I don't know that an online community is the way to do it for executives or higher level people. A hundred percent. And that's the thing is, I think the other thing is oftentimes when we talk about community, people are thinking really narrowly about like an online community or a social yeah. media community. Exactly. But you can have different community products, as it were, for different segments of your audience. And what kind of product is going to sell to a developer is a different product than is going to sell to a VP. And so you do have to have different programs and different kinds of offerings that are all part of your community program. And I think this is one of the places where in the community industry that things started to get really blurry. Um, That's true. 
right? Between what's a community thing and what's a marketing thing and what's a customer success thing. Mm. Um, and this is really where I think that there's so much potential for community and, and where you're starting to see organizations putting chief community officers in place and building out communities, a whole organization, because it takes all of those things that are interrelated that used to fall, you know, oh, this belonged to success and this belonged to customer marketing and this belonged to community and putting it all in the community bucket and recognizing, hey, our customer advisory board, our special luncheons for executives, our developer forum, our Slack yeah. instance for startups, all of those things are community yeah. and need to fall under one umbrella instead of being divided up between all of these different teams all over the company. Um, but I think that's, gosh, we've got like so many more podcasts we can do talking about this and how community is so much more than just an online yeah. forum or digital space. It's all of the things that you do that connect customers to one another it's, to solve problems. I agree. And somebody that's doing a really good job of it, um, and you'll have to talk to her one day, maybe you have, is Allison Boudreau over at Calix. Mm -hmm. So she's yeah. the leader of the community and um, their um, academy. So, you know, I, I sent you guys an email. So the three of us, four of us actually to try to get together and just have some, some podcasts around, you know, maybe women in communities and things like that, you know, cause I'm highly interested in hearing some of that stuff. Um, the last thing I'll say, because we didn't get to this point, uh, because I know you wanted to talk a little bit about it. Um, I was gonna say, we'll have to do this in our next conversation, I guess. Yeah, we'll introduce it because I'll probably have more of a, uh, but I, I did get to hire uh, a, a person that's going to be very junior uh, for the community uh, and they'll be helping me with the executive council and, and a lot of online community stuff that, um, uh, that I'm really excited about. And and so we can talk about that, but I think we'll have a broader topic around, you know, hiring, what do you do, you know, onboarding, a bunch of stuff like that, because you're really good at that stuff. And, you know, you can give me some really good advice around it. So I would love to. Well, Chris, congratulations on your first you. hire. That is so exciting. It's a huge milestone. And congratulations to whoever it is that comes on board. We'll do yep. an official congrats after they start. Um, and yeah, let's let's talk about that next time. I'd love to dig into hiring, onboarding, training, all of that. Great. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in for another Peers Over Beers. I'm Chris Detzel and I'm Nicole Saunders. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you.